Psalm 98, 4 through 6 says, Shout for joy to the Lord. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. It's been said that music and sports are international languages that build bridges across the world. When we travel to places where we don't know their language, we can engage with the people there through singing or playing sports. As Jeff said, I'm Kelly Lance, and I'm the junior high director here, and I get the privilege of kicking off this new series with you called Sing and Exaltation. In this series, we're going to focus on the lyrics and the history of the five, uh, five traditional Christmas hymns. We are hoping that this will bring a fresh and maybe even new perspective as these hymns that we sing about the powerful and good news of Jesus Christ. But before we dig into O Holy Night, um, I want to take a time to talk to Jesus and ask him to speak and reveal his truth to us. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, I just thank you so much um, that we can come this morning and we can sit and we can just let all distractions go, all worries or concerns or thoughts or things that would jumble up our mind. And I ask that the Spirit would come and just still this place, that we would open up our hearts and our minds and our souls to you, that you would reveal to us a truth you want us to know. And then once that happens, we would not keep it here, God, but we would take it with us as we leave. For I truly believe that the words to this song and the story of Christmas are not meant to be kept in a season or in just our hearts, but to be shared all year round. Thank you so much for loving us. May the words that come out of my mouth not be of me, but be from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to take you back to 1847 in a very small town in the country of France. And I don't know what he was doing at this time. Maybe he was writing another poetry poem because he was really good at poetry. Or maybe he was counting his bottles of wine as a commissioner of wines. But I don't know what he was doing at that day. But I wonder what he thought when the door of his house opened up and the local parish priest walked in. I wonder if his heart just sank and he was thinking, It's been forever since my last confession. In fact, it's been forever since I've attended Mass. Actually, most people know that I'm an atheist. And I wonder if he gave the priest a puzzled look as to why he had entered his doorway. And then I think maybe his eyes probably got really wide when the parish priest simply asked him, would you write a poem for Christmas Mass? Placide probably thought to himself, why are you asking me? I don't even know if I believe in the person we're about to celebrate. But I wonder if something stirred in his heart or maybe he heard a whisper and he decided that he would take on the challenge of writing the poem. And so the priest left and I wonder if Placide just sat there and thought, what now? How do I start to write this? And I wonder if he scouted his house right around, tried to find a Bible, not knowing where it was at, and brushed off the dust and opened up to the book of Luke. And maybe he just sat there and he tried to imagine what it was like to be there and witness the night Jesus came to earth. 
And I don't know how it happened, but something stirred and placid, and he began to pen this poem that had three beautiful verses. And as he finished, he thought to himself, this cannot just stay a poem that is spoken. It needs to be sung. And so he contacted his friend, Adolf Charles Adam, who was a well-known French composer. He asked him, would you please put music to these words? And I wonder if Adolf had the same reaction. Why would you ask me? You see, Adolf Charles James was a Jew. And he probably was thinking, how do I compose something to the words of something I probably don't even believe? But again, I wonder if it was the same with Adolf, that as he read the words of this poem, something stirred inside of him, something whispered that he should write and compose this music. And so he did. And they presented it to the parish priest. And the the priest was pleased. And this song called Cantique de Noel was sung that Christmas Eve. And it spread like wildfire along France. And everybody was singing these words to this song. It stirred and it captivated something inside of them. Until the church found out that it was written by a socialist and was composed by a Jew. And the church denounced from this being sung on Christmas Eve. But the people of France did not stop singing. In fact, I bet you if you walked through the streets of the small villages of France, those Christmas Eves to follow, you would still hear these words. Midnight Christians, it is the solemn hour when when God as man descended unto us to erase the stain of original sin and to end the wrath of his father. The entire world thrills with hope on this night that gives it a savior. People, kneel down, wait for your deliverance. Christmas, Christmas, here is your Redeemer. Christmas, Christmas, here is your Redeemer. What about these words seem to captivate the spirit of the people of France? What was it about this song that kept people singing it and passed it on so we sing it in America today? What about Cantique de Noel grabbed the attention of an American writer named John Sullivan Dwight, so much so that he would translate it into English, and not only translate it, but put it in his magazine to the familiar words we know today. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, oh hear the angels' voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born. You see, I think the people of France and John Sullivan were captivated by this theme that rings out loud and clear. It's the theme that Christmas is more than just a night when Jesus left his throne in heaven and entered into humanity by way of becoming human. The first Christmas was the dawn of a new era. It was the beginning of changing everything. It was the start of redemption and forgiveness, of newness and of life. I mean, do you hear how the writer described what the world was like before Jesus entered? 
From Adam until that very night, all who had lived were living in sin and error, pining. Pining can be defined as suffer with longing, long, painfully. And hear the words and the weight and the desperation of this world before Jesus comes. David actually writes about it in Psalms. In Psalm 38, he writes, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. I mean, can't we relate? I mean, don't we know the weight and sin in our own lives? I mean, don't we know the pain and suffering and guilt and shame that sin can bring? I mean, have you ever tried to rid yourself of those feelings with no success? Have you ever tried to run away from your sin only to turn around and it's right there? It says, even creation knows the weight of sin and error pining. In 2 Corinthians, it says this. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and to the glorious freedom of the children of God. I felt the weight of sin in my own life. I felt the need to rid it and get rid of the guilt that came with it. But I've also understand what it's like to be subjected to frustration. This longing for something, to suffer through waiting. You see, I have something seriously wrong with me. Um, I'm single. <clears throat> and that actually, okay, that actually doesn't mean that something's wrong with me, but... As far as my plans and God's plans have not quite lined up. Um, I know what it's like to long for something and see nothing on the horizon. I believe I have a God-honoring desire to be a mother and a wife. And sometimes those thoughts can bring joy mixed with excitement. But it also can bring feelings of frustration, sadness, and dare I say, bitterness. And there's this cycle I've been in of praying and waiting and praying and waiting with no end quite in sight. And this is the world before Jesus comes. You see, they've heard this promise of a Messiah and a Savior that's coming. And God's people have been praying and waiting and praying and waiting. And on that night, everything changed. For the original version says that God as man descended upon us. And when he did, the soul felt its worth. There was a thrill of hope for the entire weary world because something new and glorious was breaking through. You see, Jesus was born with a purpose and a mission. He lived a life that none of us could. A perfect, sinless life. Those commandments we hear about, the laws, if you're so bold enough to read about in the Old Testament, fulfilled, followed, All the time. My question though is why did Jesus' life need to be perfect? In fact, why did he even need to be born to begin with? Why would God enter our world? God tells us this in 2 Corinthians. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. 
so then in him we might become the righteousness of God. The message version, I like it a lot, says this. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you say? In Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. You see, we desperately need Jesus. We who were covered in our disobedience and are choosing to go away from God and his commandments, we needed someone to come and take away our sin, to take away the very thing that kept us from being friends with a perfect God for now and for all eternity. So when Jesus comes on that night and when he chooses obedience to God, even to the point of death, so that our sins could be taken away and a life and a friendship with God could be given to us, we begin to feel our worth. I want you to uh, pause and just think about this one statement. Jesus could have saved himself, but then he could not have saved you. I want you to let that sink in. I want... I want your soul to feel its worth. Let the weariness of sin and struggles that you've been in be lifted off as you realize what that Christmas day set forth in motion. Jesus could have saved himself, but then he could not have saved you. Jesus chose to give up his life in order to save yours. And in that moment, our soul feels its worth. This truth about worth is actually a really great reminder for me as I wait. As I feel like I'm waiting and I'm becoming weary, I have to remember that something glorious has already broken through and I am not the same because of it. When I remember what Christ did for me, when when I sit back and I soak up his presence, when I remember his crazy deep love for me, I gain strength to wait. Because I feel complete in a way that I know a husband and children will never do for me. And while a husband and children will be a huge blessing in my life, they are not the need in my life like Jesus is. You see, I believe that we need to start to see Christmas not as an isolated event, but to continue to remember what was so important about that fateful night. Christmas was the start of Jesus's life on that night we received a man that came to complete us a man who would change us from the inside out who would change the way we live and give us purpose on why we live this is what we have to remember and cannot forget because I believe that when we remember it changes the way we live one of my favorite quotes is from a man named Rick Lawrence who says this The point is this, our remembering is central to God's mission on earth. That means forgetting is our greatest enemy. It's sad sometimes that I can go a whole day and not remember the life of Jesus, what he's done or how it's changed me or why I'm living. We have to remember. So how can the story of Christmas not be an isolated event for you, but can be carried with you all year round as you remember what happened on that night that changed everything. What if we just woke up and took a minute or just two minutes to remember the life of Jesus and what it means for us in our lives? 
What if we didn't take down one of our Christmas decorations and were unashamed that the Christmas story stayed with us all year? What would it be like to read this story in March or August or July? How would remembering the Christmas story, the fact that Jesus came to earth, change the way we lived each day? Because I believe that when we remember this story, because the story has the power to change everyone, because it's about the person who has all the power and has lived an example we are called to follow. There's a legend uh, during the um, Franco and Prussian War in 1871 that there was a fierce battle going on. And there's the two sides of Germany and France, and they were battling it. And I wonder if one of the soldiers thought the days just had muddled together day after day of the same thing. And maybe he just turned to the person next to him and just asked, what day is it? To which he responded, it's Christmas Eve. And I wonder if he started to remember the story of Jesus and why he came and how he came to give peace and started to look around at the war that was going on and didn't see how the two lined up. And I wonder if the Holy Spirit just moved in that moment for boldness to happen. Because legend has it that this Frenchman stood up out of the muddy trench with no weapon in hand, with his eyes to heaven, and started to sing Cantique de Noel. And I wonder if stillness started to fill all around him as people dropped their weapon to listen to the words of the story of Jesus. And legend has it that after he finished his third verse, a German infantryman came out of his hiding place and responded with the hymn, From heaven above to earth I come. And I wonder if stillness just reigned in the battlefield as people just took time to remember Jesus. Legend continues that the next 24 hours there was no fighting in remembrance of Christmas. I mean, do you know someone in your life Because they have remembered Jesus. It's changed the way they live every day. I think the story of Jesus changed John Sullivan Dwight. And the third verse captured his attention and focus. The words stirred in him a desire to live it out tangibly, especially in that time where the United States was torn in a civil war. Sullivan was passionate about ending slavery in the United States and believed this third verse wrote out exactly why it should cease to exist. It says this, Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break for the slave of our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. I actually really like the original version. It says this. The Redeemer has broken every bond. The earth is free and heaven is open. He sees a brother where there was only a slave. Love unites those that iron had chained. You see, I think Dwight saw something in this verse that we can sometimes forget. Because yes, Jesus came and he died for you. And yes, you have worth. But Jesus also came and died for every single person who has ever lived or ever will. That means he died for everyone in your family. He died for all your friends. He died for your neighbor, for that annoying guy at work, for that girl who's mean at school. It means he came and he died for the person who broke your heart and for the one who cheated you out of what was yours. 
He died for the person who checks you out in the grocery store and the person who cuts you off in traffic. He came and he died for the people who choose to do good and the people who choose to do bad and for every unbeliever. And I can keep going because every single person you encounter who doesn't know Jesus is just waiting for an encounter with the lover and savior of their soul, even if they don't know it. So how we live is important because you might be the only Jesus someone sees. You might be the only Bible someone reads. We are called to live a life that loves one another. As I said earlier, I'm the junior high director, which means I have been called to love junior high students. And there are some parents here of some junior high kids who know how, um, what kind of call that really is to love junior high students. And I see some. So holla, way to be here at church. I'm so proud. Okay, so Wednesday night, uh, our group is called Chaos. So for those of you who know, uh, chaos is actually Christ has all our solutions and not the fact that we have over 200 junior high kids in one room. Um, so it's good that Jesus has all our solutions because um, things happen on a Wednesday night. Um, curtains can be thrown. Candy is somehow mysteriously thoroughly smashed into the gym floor. Um, right now we have this epidemic of knocking is a disease actually really a student passes by a door and has to knock very loudly no matter what small group is in there garbage cans for some reason don't end up in one piece boys don't really see boys as people but just objects to wrestle all the time and in the gym we have this game it's called how many times can i duck from the flying basketballs before i actually get hit in the head it's really great and on top of that Chaos includes interacting with students who talk 100 miles per minute, have the attention span of a TV commercial, ask questions about the very thing I just got done explaining, have an uncanny ability to distract others at all times. Uh, They are constantly touching things for some reason. Their phone is their lifeline, and they are worried about what they look like, what others think about them, and where they belong. But in my short time of youth ministry and why I do it, and that's not because the kids are just so great, because they really are, I've just discovered that it all boils down to a junior high student are just people in need of being loved. In my first ministry, I had a girl who just had this rock-solid, hard shell. But she would come every Wednesday for some reason, And she never said much, but after a small group, she would always hang around. I asked if she wanted to talk, and she would say no, so we would sit there in silence. And if you know me at all, that is extremely hard for me to do, okay? And so it was week after week, and finally I just said to her, I'm not going anywhere, and I'm always here for you, and I will sit as long as you need me to. She just broke down. As tears came down her face, I learned about her struggles. And week after week, I learned about this girl who came from a very broken past. And week by week, I got to see her grow more and more. But then I left that ministry and came here. And she graduated and joined the military. And she's lost hold of a constant church community. But what she hasn't lost hold of is my interest in her. You see, I still talk to her. And she knows that when I talk to her, I'm going to bring up Jesus. And I'm going to tell her that Jesus loves her. And at the end of the day, the girl cannot say that someone didn't care. And she can't say that someone didn't tell her. What she does with that is her choice. Who is that girl in your life 
Who is somebody that needs to be loved regardless of what they do with it? This is the type of love we truly need to give, but it is not easy to do so. Because when I say that the students at chaos need to be loved, I mean they need to be truly and deeply loved. Loved with patience and a love that is kind and not easily angered. They need to be loved with someone who sees them through the eyes of Christ. With a love that doesn't back away when they don't get it or when they push our buttons. With a love that accepts them for who they are and how they were created, quirks and all. They are desperate for a love that says, I'm not going anywhere. And there isn't anything you could say or do that would stop me from loving you. They are seeking a love that embraces their failures, but also sees and believes in the potential that they can't even see. They are crying out for someone to love them and see them in their worth. And let me tell you something else I've discovered in my short time. I've discovered that adults are just older junior high students in need of the same type of love. The good news is that the love, this is the love that Christ offers us every day. But this is also the type of love that God wants us to offer others. Who is someone in your sphere of life that needs to be loved with this type of love? Who do you need to drop your weapons before and start to forgive? Who do you need to start to see as your brother and not your enemy? Who in your life needs to hear about the story and the hope and the life that comes with Christmas? Because part of loving others is just reminding them that Jesus loves them and is present with them and has given us the best present we could ask for. We're going to hear this hymn, O Holy Night. And as we listen to the words that are being sung, we want to give you a chance to just sit and reflect. It's my prayer that Jesus would whisper to you some ideas of how to keep this story with you day in and day out. It's my prayer that Jesus would whisper to you a name of somebody whom you need to love with the love he's given you. Or maybe for you, you just need some time to reflect the worth that Christ sees in you. And maybe for the first time, choose to put your faith and trust in Jesus and receive his new life and forgiveness of sins. Let's listen. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope 
The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voices, O oh, night divine, O oh, night when Christ was born. O oh, night divine, O oh, night, O oh, night divine. Truly He taught us to love one another his law is love and his gospel is peace change shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise His name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory Fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voices, oh, night divine, oh, night, when Christ was born, oh, Um, can you pray with me? 
Um, dear Lord, I just want to thank you um, for the words of this song that remind us of who we were before you and then confirms who we are once we believe in you. Thank you for the love, for some reason, that you love us with. It's crazy and it's big and it covers all our sins. And it looks at us and it sees worth. God, I just thank you so much that we can now be a part of loving people with that same love. Thank you that this uh, time, Lord, can be a reminder and something that we can carry with us all year round. For you never leave us and you never forsake us. You are King of kings and Lord of lords, and that is for all eternity. Thank you so much for your words and your truth. We love you. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen.